Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Scott Luton and Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how you doing today? Good. Very good. I'm doing good. Wonderful. <laughs> a little bit of a late travel day yesterday. Yes. You are on assignment in Las Vegas, which we're going to dive into right. second half of the show. Had a great time. I saw some of the pictures uh, as we were celebrating. Oh, did we post pictures? Okay. I saw a couple good. of them. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so maybe the world has seen them. I don't know. Social media manager. <laughs> but great to have you back. I'm yeah. looking forward to picking your brain. So, folks, we're going to talk, of course, today's Supply Chain Buzz coming at you every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time as Greg and I and friends walk through some of the biggest global news stories across the world of business, especially supply chain, as you might expect. But we're going to pick Greg's brain and have some fun toward the end of the show around three things to do in Vegas and one thing not to do in Vegas. So stay tuned for that. I bet there's some opinions on that. <laughs> so, hey, we want to hear from you. Uh, tell us uh, not only what you're tracking across global supply mm -hmm. chain, global business, but if you've been to Vegas, give us your inside tips too. Mm. Greg, of course, we want to hear from all of our friends. Use that chat bar. We enjoy hearing where folks are from, getting their take. And folks, if you're listening to this podcast replay, because we published the the uh the audio podcast version of The Buzz, usually on right. Friday mornings. If you're listening to that, hey, check us out live on LinkedIn, YouTube, or any other social media channel of your choosing on Mondays at 12 noon. We'd love to hear from you. Greg, what else would you, as we as we make that a warm invitation out to our global supply chain now family, what else would you add to that nice warm invite? Golly. Um, well, <laughs> listen up. And don't forget to tell friends about this, right? I mean, you're going to get to hear from not just on this show, but on other shows, you're going to get to hear from some of the most prominent practitioners. And we're interviewing yet another leader of supply chains uh, in the next couple of days. Right. Is that tomorrow? That's right. Is I think it's every day. Well, it is. You're right. But I mean, I'm thinking <laughs> of one in particular city furniture. Right. So. Oh, that's right. Andrew Koenig. Right. 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 Um, and then, of course, all, a lot of solution providers who are out there sharing stories of their customer success and that sort of thing. So tune in, learn something. That's right. Guarantee. <laughs> tune in, listen up, and it's a money back guarantee. Money back satisfaction guarantee. Right. Um, hey, look, quick heads up. I noticed earlier today um, LinkedIn was having some, some issues. So if you're tuned in uh, via LinkedIn today, that might be interfering with your ability to comment. Just giving you a heads up. You know, that happens from time to time. All right. So, Greg, let's let's share some learning opportunities with all of our, our listeners out there. One of our next big shows is this Thursday as we welcome in Greg Davis with Grant Thornton on our – we've got this um, ongoing featured mini-series yeah. focused on decoding digital transformation sponsored by our friends at Next World. And this next installment, Greg, we had such a blast on the first one. This next installment is going to be focused on what's next. Greg should be one heck of a show, huh? Yeah, look, digital transformations, big topic anywhere, all the time. But there's uh, there's kind of layers to it, like onions have layers and donkeys have layers. <laughs> there's layers to digital transformation, so we're going to talk about kind of 
the various uh, levels and layers that you can approach and, and attack the enormous project that is digital transformation, right? And and Greg may be at the draft, the yes. draft when he does it. I wonder if he's going to use that as a backdrop. Tune in for that. Absolutely. And I'm glad you called that out, Greg, because Thursday night is the first round of the NFL draft and no telling. I hope the Falcons get the Chiefs pick because the Chiefs don't need any more talent and the Falcons need a lot more. So can we work out that deal, Greg? Uh, yeah. In fact, uh, by the way, Scott, in Vegas, there were quite a few uh, there were quite a few Falcons fans out there. Okay. So they were <laughs> proudly wearing the colors and I gave them, I gave them a rise up whenever I Right, right. <laughs> well, all good fun. Looking forward to the draft. Okay, so quick update. Uh, big thanks, of course, Catherine and Amanda behind the scenes helping make production happen. Looks like we are having an issue with the comments coming in. I see Josh, Glarmar, Nazreen, uh, Leah Luton, mom's with us, uh, Felix, Tasha, mm-hmm. all joining us at, from different parts of the globe. We'll see if we can't get that ironed out uh, over the next hour, but welcome in, everybody. Okay, Greg. We were just talking about uh, learning opportunities with this live stream conversation this Thursday again, right. April twenty seventh, twelve noon. So y'all join us. The links in the in the chat. Also, over the weekend, we published the latest edition of. Uh, with that said, that's our uh, weekly LinkedIn newsletter. This time focused on since Saturday was Earth Day twenty twenty three. It had a lot of Earth Day related, Earth Day focused content, and it's so true. We entitled it "There Is No Planet B." They'll play on plan B versus plan A. I like that. That was pretty good. <laughs> well, I, we shamelessly stole it, uh, right? Uh, like like most good ideas. Right. But folks, <laughs> we encourage you to not only um, check out with that said, but more importantly, think about, you know, um, of course, with all of these holidays, we've got to find a way to, to bake it into our mindset year round so we can drive meaningful action. Uh, and that's what we want to encourage y'all to do. If you do anything, stop and think and figure out how you can act. Greg, your thoughts around Earth Day and sustainability, ESG, you name it. Well, I mean, you know, I, I think there are a lot of people that are accidental environmentalists, including my great grandparents who said, turn off the lights when you leave a room and don't brush your teeth with the water on and things right. like that. Right? right. Don't run the thermostat down. Were you born in a barn? is an act of environmental activism, by the way. So, right. so I, think, I think what we have to acknowledge is, look, <laughs> I know this has gotten super political, all this ESG stuff, but what's the harm in taking care of the planet? So I've been a rock climber and, and hiker for a long time. And, it, and the number one rule is pack out what you pack in. So, um, you know, I think there are just a lot of little things that you can do and then contribute to some of these bigger challenges. And there, and this whole planet B thing, I don't know about if anyone's ever thought about it this way, right? Everyone's thinking about Elon Musk going to Mars. And I think Elon Musk happens to be possibly one of the smartest mm. that, that exists on this planet. But rather than go to Mars and build a dome over Mars, once we've destroyed the atmosphere here, mm. why not just build a dome over our planet here, <laughs> right. where we have a lot of the infrastructure that could help us capitalize on that. I mean, if, if su- such thing ever happens, right? Yes. So let, let's not forget that some of this is very capitalistic and in some cases hyperbolic. Yes. Well, hey, when we do that, build the dome, Polly Shore will be involved. 
as he was in the famous movie. Was it Biosphere for the 90s? Big flop. Do you remember Polly Shore from MTV, Greg? I do remember him from MTV. <laughs> and I remember he had some movies, right? But yeah. <laughs> that wasn't the best part of his career, I guess. Uh, all right. Love that. I love that perspective, Greg. It's so true, uh, folks. Just, just regardless of some of the politics out there, do good. Do something. Yeah. There's no harm. I mean, there's no harm in being more environmentally conscious. We that's what we used to call it back in the eighties, I guess. Mm, right. Mm. And as Amanda sharing, Biodome was that movie with Paulie no, Shore. Biodome. I do remember the name. <laughs> Fortunately, I don't remember the movie. Oh, man. All right. So y'all check out, uh, with that said, uh, join 21,000 of your uh, fellow uh, practitioners and friends and members of the Supply Chain Now Global Fam that have been tuning in and giving us feedback around that. And then finally, speaking of, uh, we were just talking pre-show about how the kids are all right. I'm not sure where that stems from. I think some song. The Who. That's a Who song. Okay. Thank you, Greg. But the kids are indeed all right. And the latest example, and you can find plenty if you if you go looking. So got to give Vector Global Logistics some, a shout out here. This is my oldest daughter, Brantley, here in the chair. I took a snippet. It's tough to tough to catch one when she's smiling. Um, but Enri- uh, Enrique Alvarez and the great team at Vector Global Logistics basically set up interviews with, uh, Greg, uh, probably a couple dozen kids, I guess. Hmm. And the kids all answered the question, why should sustainability matter to your company? And then we'll drop, we'll drop a link to this, um, this LinkedIn post there. Y'all check out the video and all the responses. But Greg, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, when Enrique reached out to me, uh, it's been two months ago since they started setting it up. And then, of course, they push on the post-production and, and then publish the final product. These kids, we're in good hands. After we finish messing things up, and, and get it into our, the next generation, these kids' hands. I'm telling you, it is amazing how intelligent and how um, uh, passionate, how um, uh, how visionary uh, yeah. you know, these kids are in terms of, of some of the simple steps and some of the most more complex steps of, of actions that we should be taking. Greg, you, you may not. Have you got a chance to look at this video yet? I haven't, but I want to. I love, you know, I've always believed from the mouths of babes, right? so much wisdom but yeah i, I think I, i'm really interested to see what they're all they're all thinking about i am too there have to be some new ideas out there you know one of the things that jumps out at me is batteries ev batteries and all this rare earth mineral stuff yep i've actually been over the last month or so just researching what the alternatives are and there's some really good studies for instance yep out there so if we can get some new insights in just thinking about the, the naivete of children forces them to think about things in a different way. And they don't, they aren't necessarily bound by the status quo. Right. And, and that's where good ideas come from. So true, Greg. So true. And folks, uh, Greg, we've talked about this uh, countless times here and you make a, a lot of great points. You know, um, the EV whole industry, as we all know, is blowing up, right? I mean, very few. I mean, if you look at future plans of the, some of the major car companies out there, traditional automobiles are 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 barely. It's just a, a fraction. But Greg, you make a great point because while we should all feel good, I mean, about the notion of using um, uh, electricity, right? We're new, especially renewable uh, energy to drive automobiles. The flip side of that, of what all the destruction across the planet that goes into the, um, the huge demand for batteries and, and then some 
Greg, we've got a lot more balance than to figure out uh, so that it can be truly uh, as sustainable as maybe uh, you know, some consumers think, huh? Yeah, I think that we're, we're going to need to find alternatives. Uh, they're already looking at, they found some meteorite magnetization. I, mm. I think it's called Tatonite. I'm sorry, mm. I was just reading about that today. But that can be simulated and that can take on the magnetic properties required for semiconductors and that sort of thing. And that way we don't have to destroy the Earth's crust to get all these rare earth minerals to create right. the magnets that are required for a lot of electrification um, and that sort of thing. And of course, we've got the, the social challenges with cobalt. So much of that is mined by, by child and slave labor. So, right. you know, we need to attack those problems. I think we need entirely new technologies for, for batteries. But it's good to see that there is some really active awareness in not destroying the environment in a new way to avoid destroying the environment in an old way. And I think that, you know, we didn't have that foresight before. We didn't have the knowledge to see what the what the potential damage was yep. uh, before. But now we do. And I'm glad we're taking advantage of that to already consider some more sustainable alternatives for our sustainability initiatives. Yes, I really appreciate you pointing that out. We all need to go into this EV movement eyes wide open. I'm telling you. Well, and, it, and it's going to happen fast. I don't know if you saw what's going, what happened at the Shanghai Auto Show, but China has about 30 percent of all new cars are EVs now. Yep. And whereas the German and and Japanese brands and even some American brands were really popular, their sales are plummeting there. Mm. So uh, Hyundai, which of course we know, their sales were down 40% last year in China. Wow. Because not only are the Chinese now way ahead on creating uh, EV cars, but the look is more modern and the Chinese consumers are falling in love with these cars. And there are some pretty good looking cars over there. There's one brand called Lee. Okay. L-I, and, um, and they have an L9, which is a a great looking vehicle. So, yeah. Hey, if it passes the Greg White automotive test, you've really earned a blue ribbon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I do think, and this this isn't news, except, you know, this may not be news, but I do think that we need to start seriously about thinking about a, the next car purchase and whether that ought to be an EV, if only for the fact that EV is hitting that the exponentiality of the demand curve and it will start to become a bigger and bigger portion of of the consumer purchase which will rapidly make fossil fuel vehicles worth zero ic right. vehicles right in, internal combustion engine yeah vehicles they could be worth zero in 5 years they they are already the prices are plummeting for uh, ICE vehicles in China now, mm. they have a law that outlaws them uh, in July of this year. Wow. Well, it, I, I read over the weekend, uh, CNN had an interview with the um, senior leader of the Ford Mustang uh, program. We call it Mach-E. Oh, oh, is this the actual Mustang? Or yeah, is this, this is the real one. This isn't a crossover. Yeah, it, it w- <laughs> that crossover version. Uh, in fact, this um, executive didn't really want to talk about the crossover version because you could tell kind of between the lines, it sounded like she didn't think that was a, you know, a real Mustang, which I think a lot of, a lot of listeners may agree with her. A lot of, yeah, a lot of Ford fans would agree with that. Sentence, right. So I appreciate her, uh, whatever you call it. <laughs> but, 
but check it out. It was a great, um, you know, I love when, when we interview folks that, um, you can tell they love what they do. They're not just charged with leading this project or whatever, she, you know, her grandparents, her parents, I think all worked at Ford. She, uh, loves the brand, loves the vehicles. And, and when you hear from leadership and supply chain manufacturing leadership for, that you can hear and see that passion, those are some of the best pieces. So y'all check that out. Yeah. Um, Greg, we are, man, we're, uh, we are going all over the place here on the buzz here today. And folks, we'd love to hear your comments. Uh, we'll have to maybe celebrate them after the show, but, uh, let us know what you think on these stories. Let us know what you think, uh, around the EV movement. We'd love to, uh, to hear your perspective. Okay, Greg, we are going to get officially mm. into our first story here today, because believe it or not, uh, EV and batteries and Mustangs, none of that was part of our initial plan here today, but Hey, uh, good stuff. A lot of, a lot of good stuff happening out there. Let's get into something we've been banging the drum on mm-hmm. for years and years and years. I mean, when it comes to cybersecurity, it's pretty scary out there. So according to this great read from our friends at supply chain dive, Greg, did you know that the number of supply chain cyber attacks in the first two months of 2023 is already uh, surpassed 40% of last year's 2022 total number of attacks. Now that shouldn't surprise any of our audience members, right? Cause, cause we've been, we've been talking about this forever, but this article encourages you to consider three things. And I'm gonna get Greg's take after this first map out your tech suppliers, especially so that your procurement team is in the know since they often are, are making transactions happen. Right. Right. Second, Add cybersecurity to the supplier contracts. Make it a shared responsibility. And then third, train and empower employees across the enterprise, not just in procurement, but where everyone has a role to play, things they're looking for, protecting the enterprise. Greg, when it comes to cybersecurity, some of the stuff we're seeing out there from bad actors or some of these, some of these uh, both proactive and reactive steps that that uh, SMEs are, are suggesting, what are, what are some of your thoughts here? Well, I think you have to start you have to start with the people because that, I mean, frankly, we're the weakest link. Um, the example that they gave in this article was shocking where someone not only um, faked the email of the CEO, but they deep faked a voicemail from the CEO by, by uh, cutting together statements from public statements and, right. and speaking engagements and that sort of thing to reinforce the yes, please send this enormous check to this this vendor's bank account, new bank account. So um, they are very, very sophisticated out there. And of course, the supply chain, you know why the supply chain hasn't been as big a target until now is because, here we go, Scott, until the great toilet paper shortage of 2020, <laughs> nobody knew what the supply chain was or that it existed, right? Now, as it's come into new prominence and and um bad actors have have recognized that it's a laggard in terms of technology and awareness around cybersecurity. Yeah. They see an easy target. So it is important to to train the people but also uh, I think this is a critical thing. It is another leg of, of or pillar of supply chain. Just consider cybersecurity up there with with Cost, right, and risk, yep, and and ESG. Just consider it another pillar of the supply chain to make sure that you secure it. So, 
they talked about it's been 10 years since Target. It doesn't seem like it. Right. But it's been since 10 years since Target lost 110 million people's data because an HVAC, a heating and air conditioning uh, repair company, got hacked and, th- and they got into the Target network uh, that way. So unbelievable. It, I mean, it, you have to understand the totality of your interactions in your supply chain and procurement areas, and you have to be aware and, and of course, have that compliance element, just like you would for showing up on time, you know, delivering a PO or, or, or delivering accurate um, quotes and, and the other things that you, you concern vendors with. Yep. Uh, the totality of the risk. Again, eyes wide open um, because it, it, that was 10 years ago, Greg, as you point out, it's hard to believe that was 2013 with the target thing. And, you know, right. goodness knows it is amazing what we're doing with IoT, uh, Internet of Things these days and all the conveniences and comforts that it offers. But like with anything else, it's a double-edged sword for all the conveniences and comforts and innovation. It opens up some doors for bad actors to do bad things. And, you know, Greg, along those lines, one of our favorite episodes from – Gosh, probably 600 episodes ago, uh, Jack Allen with Cisco, right? Uh, right. We had talked about how, and, in, and it wasn't Cisco, it was, it was a different manufacturing company. It was based on a real story, though. Uh, a bunch of employees from a certain manufacturing plant would bowl in a league at a, at a bowling alley down the road, and they all gave their content information in the, the bowling league's website so they could keep up scores, all that stuff. Well, bad actors penetrated that, pieced Intel together in, in and uh, some way that they could use that information to crack the credentials of the manufacturing uh, email uh, and perhaps ERP system, as I recall. Eventually, it shut down the plant. Yeah. Um, so it really is scary out there. And folks, um, you know, take Greg's advice. Check out this article. Uh, consider the expertise that's in there. And most importantly, hey, get with your team. And figure out what the current plan, what the current risk mitigation strategy is for this uh, highly and fastly emerging threat that is all things cyber across global supply chain. Yeah, these are not geeks in their mom's basement. These are uh, highly intellectual and talented, um, driven, economically driven, and sometimes officially supported by various governments. Yep, we all know who they are, China and Russia, and, <laughs> okay. um, and, and so they are well healed as as well, right? They have their own science teams. They have algorithms and AI to to train their solutions to figure out how to trick you and how to penetrate um, your systems. So this yep. is it's this is a technology war, really. So true. It is so true. All right. So we're dropping the link to, to these articles in the chat. And as uh, Catherine and Amanda point out, yeah, LinkedIn's having a functionality issue here today. So a couple of comments here. They're dropping them in the private chat for us. So thank you all very much. Tom Valentine. Hey, TV. Great to see you. I've seen how busy you've been. He says, uh, great points, guys. And in the article, there are a lot of soft endpoints within the four walls that are never considered. Right. He says, uh, heck, my new washing machine and dryer keep asking my phone to connect. <laughs> That's a really good point. And, and, you know, they make another good point, Tom, and that is they say vet those tech suppliers because any tech supplier that, you know, as they talk about, companies are growing really fast. Tech companies yes. are growing really fast. But any tech supplier that doesn't have adequate cybersecurity, it's probably someone you should not 
do business with. It is right. so basic to be yep. cyber secure, security certified, right? SOC X or whatever the number is these days, or the <laughs> other, or other types of certifications that don't take a risk on somebody who is not, not certified. Excellent point. And uh, Kim Winters here with us today. Kim, great to see you. Uh, he says, well said, Greg, more than 30%, Kim says, of the Australian population has had their personal info stolen through hacking of tier one insurance and telcos or telephone oh companies. Oh my gosh, are you serious? Insurance and telephone? Unbelievable. Wow. So they know a lot about what, what wines, what Shiraz and what uh, beers Australians <laughs> drink. Right. Oh, Shiraz. I love a good Shiraz, man. Um, let's see. Glormar says, uh, great to have you, Glormar, says, as I look at the Port of L.A., I always wonder how it is physically and internally cyber protected. In the military, we are uh, OD'd on cyber training and we have not been exempt from attacks. So I can only wonder about the vulnerabilities that our supply chain has. Excellent points. And if you saw, if you've seen the article about um, the IRS and how much 50 year old technology the IRS has and 40 and 30 and even 20 year old technology, none of that is right. cyber secure. You can bet that in state governments with some of these ancient infrastructures like ports, yep. we know that they are extreme laggards in terms of technology. So that is a significant risk, right? Unfortunately, our government is probably not defending us as well as other governments are attacking us. Yeah, Greg, uh, I hate to pile on, but you look at the nuclear technology, talking mm. about archaic technology that's susceptible to a wide variety. Uh, they're they're re-evaluating uh, nuclear uh, policies and security as we speak. Uh, and that's that's made it out to public knowledge. It's interesting. Um, all right, one last point here. And by the way, Don is with us. Gene Pledger's with us. Great to see you, Gino. Uh, Kim says, the wine's protected, guys. The wine's protected. Thank that's goodness. good, Kim. Okay, Protect that's good. that Shiraz. Um, now, Donna makes – and one last point here from Donna. Uh, Donna, great to see you here this morning. She says, all of this begs making media literacy a priority in our schools. Informed users will be able to spot the fakes, um, which you know we're, we've all have seen all kinds of just completely AI-generated content and, you know – my eye usually catches, you know, there, there's some still some looks. I've seen one commercial that's been hitting regularly, and I could spot that it was AI-driven right away. But, man, they are really close to being able to fool even the, the sharpest of eyes. That's a great point, Donna. Yeah. Greg, you're going to comment? Yeah, it is. It's very difficult to tell. I mean, if you've ever seen any of these deep fake videos, they are very realistic. It's, yep. it's scary. But, you know, I think I think we'll wind up with advanced internal technologies to address the points that Donna and Tom and Kim have, have talked about yep. from the inside out or, or across networks to help secure not just individual companies, but between those companies as well. Yep. Agreed. All right. So smooth is something less scary. <laughs> so let's talk about what Ikea is up to. I bet we've yeah. got tons of Ikea fans. I know I, uh, Amanda behind the scenes here is a big Ikea fan. I might have some some of this stuff right behind me. I yeah, think we're sitting at my IKEA desk, right? Now. <laughs> right. My North or whatever. <laughs> well, check this out. CNBC reports that the popular Swedish home and furniture company is investing some two point two billion billion dollars in its omnichannel growth. 
So, Greg, some of the things that that that, that, that picks up the tab on new stores and new pickup locations with with one of the company's goals being to improve accessibility while keeping products affordable. Right. Uh, it includes nine new what they're calling plan and order points where customers can get help on things like really big remodel projects. That continues this, uh, as we've heard Gartner and many others report on mass personalization, mass customization, right, at scale. Uh, investing, a big part of the, the plan and the path forward is investing in more sustainable operations uh, with IKEA. One goal is the modernization of the 51 existing U.S. stores for energy efficiency, also building out an all-EV delivery fleet. So, Greg, when you hear some of this stuff here at a, at a retailer that Americans have, folks everywhere have come to to love and enjoy. Your thoughts? Yeah, my first question was in these nine delivery point planning and delivery points or planning order points. Will they also have Swedish meatballs in case you go to visit there? Because <laughs> it's a good and inexpensive meal. Um, so that was my first question. But in all seriousness, <laughs> I was a little bit stunned that there are only fifty-one stores around the country. But mm. Um, not as stunned when I have tried to order um, IKEA goods to be delivered to more remote locations in, in as you say, Scott, South Kakalaki, right, um, <laughs> South Carolina. And um, but I think this is a recognition that they need to do better. Uh, so, in three companies in a row, completely, completely outfitted the office with Ikea desks. And that's how you, that's how you meet people in the office when you're new in our, in our companies, right? You, right. You, sit, you, you go in your first day, you do your HR paperwork, and then you assemble your desk and chair and meet all the people who want to help you know how to do that. Use an Allen wrench. But <laughs> that's, I think, I think this is such a popular company. They have incredible quality goods for the prices. Yep. Um, that it's, you know, this is just one of their other initiatives. And I see that they're blending it with their ESG initiative by by including EV delivery vehicles, which is a big initiative for them. And of course, they, they have their own challenges in terms of the validation of, of some of those e, EV or uh, ESG initiatives. But yep. I like that they're blending the two here. I think there's a great opportunity for more people to be exposed to these kind of things. One guidance I would give them, like they really care what I think, but one guidance I would give them is that the the stores are not necessarily the weak point of the om, omni-channel experience. The website is. I don't know if you've ever bought and tried to have delivered goods from an Ikea, but it it is, uh, to use the Danish word, a kludge, hmm. which isn't Danish at all, I'm sure, but it sounds <laughs> like something they would name a, a table after, doesn't it? <laughs> So uh, there's room for improvement uh, is what I'm picking up on that. Great. Yeah, I think I think that's probably one of the weakest points. But <clears throat> you know they're they're so technologically savvy. I have no doubt that they'll they'll pick that up. I mean, I could see them, you know, using 3D imaging and that sort of thing. Right. Well, you know, uh, speaking of, so I mean, I've never ordered from IKEA, but uh, as Amanda put in the comments here, uh. So true, Greg. I love IKEA, but ordering from them, Amanda says, online is a nightmare. Hoping this investment means a better e-com experience. Excellent, Amanda. And hey, um, Amanda needs no tips. 
in terms of how to put stuff together. She runs circles around me, if we're being real honest and, and keeping it real around here. Um, all right. I also want to point out one other thing uh, you kind of said with a, a, a smirk, uh, South Kakalaki. I wonder where, first time I ever heard that phrase, and I grew up in Aiken, South Carolina. Uh, Mom is might be there now. Um, first time I ever heard that phrase, I was in the Air Force, and Sergeant Staff Sergeant Vicky Vasquez, uh, the pride of the Bronx, uh, said that. And I, I looked out, I said, what'd you say? And we both just just died laughing as she was talking about South Kakalaki. And I got the biggest kick out of that. And I wonder what she is now, doing big things, I'm sure. So you Vicky Vasquez. invented that term? No, I don't. I, no, I don't think so. But I think she moved here. Uh, that was when we were at Shire Force Base in Sumter, and she'd been from the you know, big city of New York, coming down to rural Sumter, South Carolina, South Carolina. I bet she really embraced that term well. So, uh, Vicky Vasquez, hope this finds you well wherever you may be. Okay, so Greg, let's see here. We we tackled uh, furniture and IKEA. That's really cool. Let's talk about some other upcoming things. Uh, we have got a great webinar. So, folks, um, I know uh, everyone out there where we're getting our content from a variety of places and we're using a lot of terms interchangeably. You know, today, Greg and I, if you're looking at this live, we're on a live stream, right? It rides across social. You just got to venture one of our social channels and jump right in. Our webinar program is a little bit different, right? It's like a virtual event that you've got to register for. So, on May 4th, we've got a webinar coming up with our friends at Evenflow and Infor. And Greg, it's all about data-driven supply chain management and optimization and success and what it means to even float. Greg, this should be one of our recent faves, huh? It is an event, right? I mean, this is a virtual event, right? So sign up, get, be able to participate. They, a lot of the um, people that come and join us in these, they bring materials that are very valuable and educational. You get to hear about actual companies using actual technology to to seek and gain actual outcomes and that's what's so great about these webinars is being able to you know to understand how a company takes technology and process change to, to change their business yep that, that's you know that's the toughest part is not just visualizing but understanding and validating what the potential outcome is and then how did you get there? The how did you mm. get there and and what did you go through to get there? That is so incredibly valuable for companies and people to learn. Well said, Greg. Uh, that's May 4th, 12 noon Eastern time with our friends again from e- uh, Evenflow and N4. And come, for, come to be cool like Greg White or come for all the reasons Greg just laid out there because you will be better off, uh, I promise you, by the time you leave. And hey, our team has made it easy. Thank you, Catherine and Amanda and all the folks behind the scenes. Uh, the webinar link to register. Again, you got to register for webinars, but it's free. It also comes with a money-back satisfaction guarantee. Right. I'll check out <laughs> the link right there in the comments. Okay, Greg, uh, let's see here. That was uh, the webinar. I think I've got one other thing I wanted to hit here. Some listener feedback. And mm-hmm. Greg, I don't know about you, but I love to hear from our listeners, our viewers, all the folks that make up our dear Supply Chain Now Global Fam. This uh, came from Joshua uh, Usida, I bet it is, up in New York. He says, quote, I always look forward to listening to the Supply Chain Now podcast. It's clear the amount of dedication and work your team, so true, puts into the production of the podcast. I always find the episodes to be a wealth of knowledge. Keep up the great work. Joshua, 
man, that makes our day. Thank you for taking the time to shoot this over to me. I think via LinkedIn, Greg. What what comes to your mind when you hear stuff like this? Thank you. Mostly, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm I'm glad that that's the way it's being received because that's the intent, right? I think I don't know if everybody realizes they probably do. You're you're much more professional at this than I am, but we're not talking heads. We are practitioners, mm. right? We're just practitioners trying to share some knowledge, share some talented people, and some and some companies that are making things happen out there. And, um, you know, the kind of information we want to get or would have wanted to get when we were um, practitioners. And uh, I'm glad that it's coming across the way it's intended. Uh, Greg, I agree. And, you know, we're seeing that on the consumption side, uh, the, 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 the views and the watches. Uh, folks, man, uh, we, as I think I shared on LinkedIn a day or two ago, uh, as we collected some of our most popular recent YouTube episodes, uh, I think I dropped six or seven shows in the last few weeks, and they've averaged averaged seven over 7,000 views. So that is remarkable, and big thanks to all of our global audience out there uh, being with us on this journey. Well, it's more what's interesting about that, Scott, is that was actually, even though we're in the biz, if you want to call it that, that was that was news to us. And Catherine shared with us, Catherine, one of our producers, shared with us that about 70% of podcast consumption is occurring now on YouTube. So um, we've really ramped up our efforts there. And, um, and you know, I guess the, the double bonus for folks, Scott, is they don't just have to listen to us. They can look at us, too. <laughs> and typically, they can comment and be part. So, again, we got a little functionality. Link- While we're live. Yeah. Yes, right. We're live yeah. today. Uh, always live on live streams, and LinkedIn's having a little issue where a lot of the comments come in from. But hey, we'll get it fixed. I bet we're on the horn. So go over and join uh, Tyrone Thor- Thorpe T squared on YouTube. That's where he tunes in, and um, never have a problem as far as we've experienced. Right. That's right. Just like Catherine here, who's tuned in via YouTube, talking about the IKEA. She's like, "Yes, I love IKEA." But Catherine says she can't get very much delivered two and a half, three hours true. from ATL, from Atlanta. It's true. So y'all jump over to YouTube if you'd like to comment. We'd welcome your thoughts here as we get into the last uh, 20 minutes or so of the show. All right. So, Greg, uh, we've got one more story that we had a lot of. Um, I, I dropped this story, I think, last week uh, across social and had some interesting commentary and and uh, comments yeah. made on the post so I want to talk about this interesting article from our friends at CFO, right? CFO Magazine. It talks about something we have focused a ton of conversations around here, cross-functional communication and collaboration, a.k.a. silo busting, as Greg and I have had a lot of fun talking about over the years. So recent data from a survey of 1,000 supply chain leaders as conducted by SAP and Oxford Economics, only 47% of these supply chain leaders say they communicate well with the finance team. Now, to Greg, that sounds very high and optimistic number to me. I would think single digits still. But uh, anyway, as the survey says that they're self-reporting, only 47% of these folks say they communicate well with the finance team. But by folks, these are supply chain leaders they are surveying. From a visibility standpoint, now this is interesting because this this goes to, Greg, some of those things we talked about when we talk about automotive and EV and some of those issues that are persisting, right? Because there's still a lack of visibility. Get this, from a visibility standpoint and across the ecosystem, right? Not just tier one. Only 32% said they had a highly collaborative relationship 
with tier two suppliers. That doesn't surprise anybody. Only 25% said the same for tier three suppliers. This doesn't surprise you, but this really illustrates the challenge, right? When uh, we're, we're responsible for the whole ecosystem of rooting out modern, you know, modern slavery and rooting out child labor and all those ills. We're responsible for it taking place, but we don't we don't very often, sadly, have our eyes and ears on what is what is taking place or where it's taking place and, and how we can do something about it. Greg, your thoughts here around these figures or around some of the challenges that uh, that continue to persist because of these challenges? Well, first off, these numbers, I would I would question the definition of what was it communicating well? Yes. Effect, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, or else this these were very because it's an SAP survey. They may be very very large companies that have very sophisticated supply chain organizations. Because I would argue that probably thirty two percent of companies overall don't even know who their tier two suppliers. Those are their tier one suppliers suppliers. Yep. And if tw- and if they know if twenty five percent of companies know even know who their tier three suppliers are. I would be absolutely stunned. So I think what we have to recognize is that this is not a survey of the broad supply chain. This is most likely a survey. And I didn't look, Scott, I didn't look at the details of if they went into who they surveyed, what size companies, but because they're SAP companies, they have to be multi-billion dollar companies. So that would be my assumption as well. These are the numbers of the most sophisticated of the supply chain practitioners out there and i would still argue that this is overstated so let's just say these numbers are accurate it means that less than half of companies are coordinating even communicating well with their finance team and coordinating is really integrating um (laughs) right um, with their with their finance teams what's really really critical because there is so much back and forth data and information and and guidance that can be provided between those two entities. So I think there's a long, long way to go here across the broad supply chain and even so in the um you know, you know among the most sophisticated of companies. Yep. Well said, Greg. Uh there's a long way just to do business better and even a lot longer way to get to some of those ills we were talking about in terms of slavery and child labor right. that Sadly, uh, global industry is taking advantage of to to fill uh, this this exploding demand. Um, so, and, and supply chains are going to have to. There's going to be a reckoning. Well, there there is because the the compliance or, or the the regulations in various countries. Germany just passed yet another law where, uh, much like we have in the U.S., where if you cannot verify, if you cannot affirm that anything made in Xinjiang province, where they typically use Uyghur slaves for production, um, if you cannot affirm that your product was your product built in Xinjiang province was not built by slave labor, then the uh, Customs and Border Patrol in the U.S. assumes that it was. So you right. are guilty uh, rather than you're presumed guilty rather than presumed innocent. And now they're doing that in Germany and other countries across Europe. So now it's not just emissions, right? The E of ESG, the environmental concerns, but now they're focusing on social as well. So the, the playing field is getting more and more complex. 
every every time there's a new regulation passed. Mm. Um, all right, so y'all check out this uh, this read here again from the folks over at CFO Magazine. Let us know what you think about that, um, Greg. We got a little more time on our hands than I thought we'd have here today. It's probably because we we can't bring everybody's chats in because there's been a lot of comments we can't get to here today. But Greg, I want to I want to do this. Uh, you came. You had a big travel schedule here recently, right? Well, last week, yeah. Last week I was in LA on Monday, Tuesday, back to the East Coast on Wednesday, and then and Thursday, and then left Friday to go back to to Las Vegas. It was Vicky's birthday, so she wanted to Man. go to Vegas, baby. Vegas, happy birthday, Vicky. Happy yeah. belated birthday. I know we happy caught it. Birthday. All, right. <laughs> um, all right. So I want to offer up to folks, you know, Vegas hosts all kinds of conventions, all kinds of meetings and, and uh, uh, trade shows, you name it. A lot of our, a lot of our fellow um, uh, global supply chain practitioners are probably a lot of them have been to Vegas for, for something along those lines. Maybe some of them are, are getting, getting ready to go. Right. Because in-person events are back. Thankfully, so, Greg, what would be, and let's, we don't have to be too serious with this, we can have a little fun with it. What would be three things that you would suggest to people that they do in Vegas? And one thing that you would suggest to folks don't do in Vegas? Yeah, uh, I, there's, I, there's so many things. One is do, um, do go to the Cosmopolitan and um see the chandeliers that they have hanging all over that place. You don't even have to like chandeliers. It's just, <laughs> that, it's just the, that they went to all the effort to do all this really cool stuff with lighting in that yep. place. Um, I would say that's a big do. Uh, this is a, a surprising do. Do drive 55 minutes outside of Vegas to Mount Charleston, where mm. there it is still completely snow-covered. It is fascinating to go into Vegas and look to the west of the mountains and see Mount Charleston that is completely snow covered. It's a okay. 55 minute drive. It's super cool um, view. Um, boy, um, you know, do take in a show, but only the best shows. There are a lot of really, really mediocre show, shows. Basically, anything that is Cirque, Cirque du Soleil, you have to see. <laughs> o is incredible. Mystere is incredible. Um, Love, which is the Beatles one, it's good. It's okay. We loved it because, right, we like the music, Scott, but it was not somehow not quite up to O mm. in the stair, I would say. Um, so those are the three that I would, the three things that I would suggest you do is go see a show, go to the Cosmo, and go to Mount Charleston. Uh, most people probably won't go to Mount Charleston. I should probably have added a fourth. <laughs> Let me add a quick comment about the shows, yeah. Greg. Yeah. We took in uh, a man who's always wanted to see David Copperfield and, you know, mm. say everyone can say out there what they're going to say about David Copperfield. But let me say this. I, I want to say he's in his 70s. And I'm going to tell you his level of performance and the physical nature of his performance and the showmanship. It is no wonder why he has been so successful. We saw him in person there and, and he's out amongst the audience and the comment and the, uh, um, you know, all, all the attendees. It is mm -hmm. remarkable. It is remarkable. So, yeah, I echo Greg's. Get out in nature. There's a lot of cool things around Vegas, but take in a show for sure. Um, Greg, now you're going to add one thing not to do in Vegas. There are a lot of things not not to do in Vegas. Um, and, and I think a lot of people go to Vegas to do things 
likely not to do. Um, look, this is this is just my personal philosophy. The one thing not to do is to gamble one single dollar that you are that you are afraid to lose. Mm. Right? Go with the plan. Go with an amount, and when you hit that amount, walk away. Yep. Um, because I see so so many people super high. I watched a guy win forty thousand dollars on a roulette table, and somehow how he did it. First of all, how he had the guts to do it was so very impressive. Um, and then he picked up his chips and he walked away. So, Man, um, and he was he was on a hot streak when he walked away. That's how they get you, <laughs> right? Um, my middle daughter went with Vicky and I, Delaney, who has been on the show a few times. Yep. She went with us and she, she declared once I, once I trend down, once I sense a trend down, you know, she got, she basically was like, as soon as I start losing, I'm cutting it off. And she did. And she went, she walked away with, with, you know, good money relative to what she was betting. So nice. That, that is my number one guidance is don't risk a single dollar. You cannot, you cannot, um, afford or tolerate. It's really not whether you can afford it. Some people could afford a, a lot, obviously, yep. to lose a lot. But if you can't tolerate it, don't risk it because you will lose it. They're not <laughs> always get their money. Yes, they're going to get you one way or the other. Uh, that's great advice. We walked away even cumulatively. The three of us we walked away even, and I feel like that was effectively free entertainment. Wow! Right. A lot of goodness there, folks. A lot of goodness. Uh, and on that roulette table, hey, do a do a double check on red nineteen. Red nineteen. I'm so that that's that's bit me a couple times. We'll save those stories for later. Red nineteen, huh? Red nineteen. This is a fun thing that I love to see people do. So I had not really played roulette except one time before, but Vicky really loves it. And somehow she's really good at it. Um, I don't know how you're good at a game that is so random. Right. It's not a game of skill. It is a hundred percent game of chance. They can put all the statistics up there that they want to. You know, you've had four reds in a row. Are you due for black? Not necessarily. Right. But um, but I love the people. The fun thing about the roulette table is every single time you're standing at a roulette table, if you stand there for any amount of time or sit, somebody walks up and just throws a hundred dollars on black and and or red and if they win, they pick it up and walk away. And it's just, and sometimes if they lose, they just walk away. <laughs> right. But you, you, you get to learn. It's it's kind of fun to just watch that happen. Oh, man. The psychology of just, to your point, the people and the camaraderie and and just it, it, the, the action will just kind of, uh, uh, it's, it's magnetic. But as Greg mentioned, hey, know your limits, know your limits and take it for entertainment. Don't look at it. I- yeah. And mostly it's not what you can afford to lose. It's really what you can emotionally tolerate to yeah. lose, right? Because I don't bet big in Vegas mm. because I'm a cheapskate. So <laughs> I, I think of, you know, I think of the um, car or accessories, not whole car, but like car accessories or parts or whatever modifications that I could be doing to a car, which is what I really enjoy instead of losing this money in Vegas. Right. I just can't, can't help it. So I keep the, the losses pretty low. Well, uh, lastly, the food, the food is incredible. Uh, as, uh, I think Amanda has shared, uh, out, out on chat, 
go to Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, that's that's a um, uh, some folks may hear Hell's Kitchen and it'd be kind of like one of those cop out places. We had a delicious meal there. Of course, we're big fans of um, who's that? The chef, Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, Gordon Ramsay. Man, I, I love watching them on TV. But check out Hell's Kitchen, Greg. You went to some place uh, last weekend that you speak very yeah, highly in the of. Wind, which, by the way, is a great hotel. Uh, we didn't stay there; we stayed at Bellagio. But um, in the Wind is a restaurant called Mizumi, and it is maybe it is certainly the best sushi restaurant west of the west of the Rockies, mm. um, and it is very unbelievably good. But in that mm. case, bring your wallet. Um, <laughs> We sat at a teppanyaki table with a lady who worked for the Bank of Singapore, Singapore Bank, the guy who makes all polo and Michael Kors shoes on a license. Um, great guy uh, and an incredible knowledge of wines. And then another couple who didn't quite, we didn't quite get to understand what they did, but we were the poor, uh, <laughs> poor people at the table. So, well, great trip. I look forward to seeing a lot more pictures, hearing a lot more stories. Greg, thanks for sharing some tips with our global audience, maybe traveling into Vegas. And hey, folks, if you if you've been to Vegas a thousand times, give us give. I'd love to get y'all's uh, tips for while you're there. Greg, before we sign off, one final tip. Yeah, yeah, one final tip there, Scott. Sorry, three days max. I mean, um, I don't know about you, Scott, but first of all, the pace at which you go. Although we did, admittedly, go to bed. 10 30 one night um but then you just get up that much earlier um and start start earlier the next day but the pace at which you go three days two nights three days is is about right for me how about you yeah that sounds like a great trip in out you see you can see a lot in three days in vegas yeah and um and it's good to get out before you feel like you've been there too long um hey Greg, uh, one last thing before we call it a day here today. And, and again, thanks everybody for working through, you know, sometimes social platforms from time to time will we'll have a little issue. So that happens. We'll be back next Monday. Some more than others. Yeah, some more than others. <laughs> right. Um, but hey, folks, today we've talked about this before. We are releasing uh, our interview with uh, Jennifer McKeon with Walmart, one of their senior executives. I think she's responsible, if, as I recall correctly, for end to end delivery. Uh, basically, as she mentioned it, Greg, if Walmart moves it, uh, it's her and her team that uh, that manage it. So great podcast discussion. Yeah. Check it out. Maybe we can drop a link to that um, here in the chat before we call it a day. Part of our practitioner series, she is an incredible, incredible leader, right? Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, and uh, you can find that on YouTube. You can find that wherever you get your podcast, the audio version, you name it. But uh, enjoy that chat. Okay, Greg, what a wide-ranging Supply Chain Buzz episode here today. Uh, Really enjoyed it, as always. Folks, stay tuned. We got some really good stuff coming out in the next few weeks. Uh, Some big news coming out in the next few weeks. It is a glorious time to be uh, in global supply chain. And for all of you out there that are listening while you do, listening while you move, while you manage, while you lead, while you yeah. pack, while you do whatever, thank you for what you do. Thank you for what you do. Greg, your, your final thought here today? Yeah, I, I do really enjoy, uh, you know, the folks that, that tune in. Uh, you know, it's funny that we don't hear from all of them, and so you don't realize how many are out there, um, like just recently with Joshua. And some people who 
um, are still out there listening, but they don't sound off every every single show. It's great to have everybody out there learning. Hey, you know what? If you've got an idea, if there's something in particular you'd like to talk about is exciting you or coming you or uh, interesting to you, let uh, let us know because this is our show. We can do whatever we want here. And if <laughs> you, you know if it's something you'd like to learn about. Um, either we'll do some research or find some some news on it, or we'll we'll find a practitioner that can that can help us all learn together. That's right. Great call out, Greg. Always a pleasure. Uh, big thanks to uh, Greg and Amanda and Catherine. Big thanks to all of y'all that tuned in. Uh, we'll be back next Monday at twelve noon Eastern time live, and I bet we'll have the comments. I bet LinkedIn will have the comments thing fixed so we can see from everybody. But uh, hey, whatever y'all do. Uh, take some of this goodness that you, you heard over the last hour, put it into action, right? Deeds, not words, Greg. And is that right? I think so. That, I've heard you say that once <laughs> or twice before. Yeah. It's all about action, folks. Uh, hey, on behalf of our entire team here, Scott Luton challenge you do good to give forward and to be the change that's needed. And we'll see you next time right back here yeah. at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.